Welcome to Building Great Sales Teams, a show dedicated to making sales teams tick, tick, boom. Great sales teams are not recruited, they are built block by block. Let's get to work. What's up, man? Sorry. What's going on? All good, brother. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I just closed on a property and it wasn't supposed to take that long. So it happens, man. We got enough time to, to, to make something happen here. Yeah. Thanks for being patient. Hopefully, uh, it still works out. Yeah. We'll bring the heat, man. I, I noticed on your Facebook page, you still have sales manager at Vivint on there, dude. You might want to yeah, update add, that. add it to the list, bro. I need to, I even think that when I updated that before that, I, like I worked at a car wash and it was, <laughs> it said like fabulous Freddy's employee or something, something like that before I finally got around to uh vivid stuff. And I need to go update all of it. That That's like the ultimate flex though, to, you know, uh, be a multimillion dollar real estate owner and still show you work at fabulous Freddy's. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> that's freaking i'll take awesome. it i guess right <laughs> so right, uh, i need to be better at probably updating everything all right guys i got brody fawcett here he's ranked among the top one percent of the top one percent of income earners under 30 years old he's built out a multi-million dollar real estate portfolio that generates six figures of passive income annually and he's gained financial freedom or he gained financial freedom at the age of 25 and started teaching others to do the same through his real estate investing school. Brody, this is probably my favorite part is that you are obsessed with designing and building your dream life and empowering others to do the same. Brody, welcome to the show. I appreciate you. Dude, thanks, man. Um, pumped, pumped to do this. Thanks for having me here. Absolutely. So what, is, what does that mean to you when you say designing and building your dream life? Oh, that's a good one to start out with. Like, man, this it goes so deep for me because it, it really is everything like it's part of who i am it's part of what i do it's part of why i do everything that i do and so um i can talk about this all day but but ultimately for me like i think of fulfillment right and at the end of the day like i think we all want to live a fulfilled life and we all want to have a day where we're like oh i'm fulfilled you know like i i'm i'm happy i'm joyful like i gave back whatever it is that like fulfills you and fulfills me i think we all want to have more of those days and those weeks and, and those years. And so um, for me, it's like, well, why don't, why don't I get intentional with what that looks like? And like, what are my best days? You know, like, where do I live? Where do I wake up? Who do I spend time with? How do I give back? What type of business do I have? All these things. And so I want to intentionally think about that and then model my life after that. And you think about design, the opposite of, you know, living life by design is obviously living it by default. And uh, the way too many people live life by default. I was thinking of this this analogy the other day as I as I thought about a few things and um, the difference between a twig and a trout, right? And I want to be a trout. And what I mean by that is a trout. If you look at you know being in the stream, it doesn't matter which way the current's going. The trout can decide, hey, if I want to swim upstream, I'm going to swim upstream. If I want to swim downstream or, or sideways or whatever, I'll do whatever I want because I dictate that and I'm in control. Versus the twig, which is unfortunately how a lot of people live life and say, hey, I'm, I'm thrown here and whatever life gives me, I'm going to like 
roll with it. And if the current goes this way and I end up in a pile of mud, then so be it. Like that's how it was meant to be. And I don't think that we have to live that way. I think that we can really like create life how we want it to be and then go build around that. And to me, that's like the ultimate form of fulfillment. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And what I like about that statement that was in your intro is it's designing and building. You know, you've got to have that 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 dream first. You've got to design it and then you've got to put it into action and actually build it. So I think those two words are yeah. are, are pretty powerful there. So for the for the sake of the show here, I'm gonna be selfish for the show here for a second. And I want to say let's go back to the beginning. And I think our yeah. listeners will really appreciate where you came from, which from what I understand was heavy sales background, door to door. So walk us through that. Yeah, man. Um, Special place in my heart for door to door still like it's always going to be that way. I feel like that's, you know, speaking of building, right? Like that's, that's what built me in so many ways. Um, But yeah, I had a, had an eight year run um, with Vivint one, one company the whole time. And yeah, dude, just started off kind of probably like a lot of people, they were attracted to this idea of, Hey, I can go, you know, create my own paycheck. And if I'm making commission and I can learn to increase my sales skills and I can learn to work harder, you know, I can raise the the amount of income that I can go and make. And so that's what really attracted me to it um, in the beginning. And I still remember I, I got recruited. I was going to Southern Utah university and someone walked up to me and was like, Hey, are you on the track team? And you know, like looking back now, I'm like, that's actually a good, uh, a good recruiting line or a good pickup line, I guess. <laughs> Cause yeah. I was like, no, you know, but you think I'm fast or what, you know? And, uh, <laughs> you want to race. So, so yeah, you want to race? Like you give me a compliment. All right. I'll listen to you. But, um, that obviously led into like, cool, here's this, this opportunity where you can go do this thing in the summer and then come back. And, and so I was really attracted to that. And then really just dove, dove head first into, it. I looked at the people that were making the most amount of money inside of that industry. And I, and I realized they were managing, right. And they had reps and they had recruited and they had actually built something. And so even like year one, I'm like, cool, what do I have to do to go manage an office or manage a team? Like I want to be, be that guy. And uh, it's like, well, you need to sell this many accounts. You need to also, you know, recruit a few people this year so that you can have a good base for next year. And so I went and did all those things. And and the next year I, I managed an office on my own and um, yeah, just kind of grew and, and, and built from there. And it's interesting, like looking back for me, I've always loved the idea of trading a hard today for an easy tomorrow. And I've done, I feel like a lot of uncomfortable things in my life, just like, you know, any salesperson out there, you have to, you go through the ring or you have to go through the grind. You have to get uncomfortable. Um, but like the common denominator and all these things for me, I, I love it because it's like, Hey, I'm intentionally doing this for a purpose. And I'm, I know it's hard right now. And I know I'm grinding right now, but I'm setting myself up for the future and the lifestyle that I want to live. And then for me, like, obviously I'm, I'm involved in real estate more full-time than I was back when I was doing sales, but the entire time it was so cool because sales was funding all of these real estate projects for me, which were giving me even more freedom to be able to, you know, live life on my own terms. And so it was probably like the best, uh, looking back, the best thing I could have done period to like build the foundation for the life that I wanted to live and to really catapult me. Yes. Financially, of course there, but then also, um, probably the biggest thing is, well, I would say 
financially, but then even bigger than that, the skill set that I learned. And then even bigger than that was the people that I was surrounded by because it, it completely changed my paradigm of how I looked at life because of like these baller sales leaders that I was, you know, privileged to be around. Just like, like you're one of those people, right? Where it's like people get associated with you because they're in the sales world. They get listen to your podcast and all of a sudden they start to think about life and expect more out of themselves. And I think that's one of the greatest gifts you can give somebody. If you can believe in them more than they believe in themselves to the point where they start to be like, oh yeah, I actually am capable of living this type of a life or I am capable of doing this big thing. Like to me, that's, that's truly living. No, I love that. And I appreciate you walking us through that. There's a lot of different things that I, that I heard in there, but probably what leads to my next question and kind of capitalize on this a little bit, you know, you, so you, you got into Vivint, you started selling, and then you even got into management, you started getting around the right people and everything. Is, is that kind of what steers you towards real estate? Because most people, most commission salespeople or salespeople that get into management, they have a one track mind now. They're like, oh, I'm a salesperson. I'm a yes. sales manager. I'm going to start my own team someday. I'm going to start my own company. I'm going to do yes. my own thing. And then they get into the cycle of hopping from one position to another. That is the next big, big thing. And then they keep yeah. having to repeat that cycle. You were talking about a little bit, except they don't get out of it. You know, it's, mm. it's all right. I start, I sell myself. I bring on a team. I start recruiting. I use the company resources to get more people in whatever the case is. And then I keep doing this cycle over and over again. I see it all the yeah. time. And unfortunately, yeah. I've seen it from people twice my age. You know what I'm saying? They're yeah. still doing that same cycle. So kind of yeah. what got you out of that and into real estate? Was it just the people you were around? Yes and no. And this is so good, bro. Like, I'm glad you brought this up because a lot of people miss this and you're exactly right. It's like, it's kind of one of those things when you're you're in it, you don't, understand right you can't take the thirty thousand foot view and like look at things and you're like oh i'm i'm balling you know because i made six figures or whatever you just you can't see see everything you think you're gonna do it forever and uh i speak to a lot of sales groups now and, and a lot of uh these different door-to-door -door companies and and i absolutely love it but you you're right like a lot of them they look at it as hey i'm doing this now and it's good now and it's always going to be like this and uh i, I was talking to a group um, two days ago. And my thing was just like, Hey, yes, I believe in sales. Yes. Where you're at is, is where you need to be at. But like, don't, don't mistake, especially in the solar industry, right? Like we all know there, there's going to, there's going to be a, a, a shakeup in the next three, four years ish, right? It's going to happen. Like it's going to happen. And so, and even if it doesn't happen, I'd rather be prepared for it and have it not happen than have it happen and not be prepared for it. And so I, I think what, I, what has kind of drove me is the same thing you said early on, I saw all those people and it was the same, same guys that have been doing it 10 plus years. And they said, this is my last year doing this. This is my last year doing this. And then guess what? They show up next year. This is my last year. They show up next year. And it, it's not that like, there's any shame in doing it for that long, right? Not that at all. It was the fact that they'd rather be doing something else, but they put themselves in a position where they had to do it by default rather than designing their life and actually doing what they want to do. And so for me, like obviously real estate investing is what allowed me to kind of, I don't want to say get, get out of like the sales world. Like it's a, I'm always in the sales world, but get out of the door-to-door right. -door stuff. 
as if it was a bad thing. Cause I left a lot behind, like I left equity, I left sales reps. I left some of the top sales guys, um, in the company at them on the smart home side and on the solar side, right. That I recruited and trained and like, so there was a lot to leave, um, a lot to leave behind. And it got to the point where it was pretty passive. Um, I didn't have to go out and like grind as much. I knew how much money I was going to make from it. Um, but I felt like I had it really good, but there was something great that was in store. And so it was kind of like this balance of like, oh, I can sit here and coast at what's good, but good is the enemy to great. Right. And so I'm, I'm giving up something that's potentially much better. And so anyhow, early on, I guess to answer your question, I, I had actually bought my first property before I got started in sales crazy enough. Um, and that was kind of by accident, but like, I started to like, see it and taste like, oh, this is cool. All my buddies are paying rent. I don't have to pay for rent. And then I have this leftover cash. And I'm like, this is equivalent to what I was making. I was working at Gold's gym at the time. And so for me, like that, like the light bulb went off. And so I'm like, I want to create more of this. And so when the sales opportunity came along, it was like, cool, this is an opportunity to, to dump gas on this real estate fire. And so I started getting into it for that. Um, and, and people around me helped me because I, I think door-to-door sales and like the industry and real estate investing go, go hand in hand, like they're perfect together. And so a yeah. lot of mentors in there that helped me out a ton, but, but yeah, I'm just passionate about that, man. You have to have a backup plan. You have to start building that passive income now because you don't want your back to be against the wall to the point where maybe, maybe you have legs for the industry. Maybe you're good to go right now. That's totally fine. Like, but you don't want to be the person that runs out and those legs eventually go away and you have nothing that you've prepared for. No, that's a, that's a great point. Cause I spent a lot of my twenties doing exactly that, just conquering the industry, doing really, really well in the industry. And then realizing that, you know, I lost half my team one year and, and looking back at everything that I had built and it goes away so fast, you know what I'm saying? And, and it's so easily, whether the product changes the, the company changes, a new product comes out that you're not selling yet. And they want to sell that instead. I mean, there's so many things that can happen. And if you don't, if you don't have diversity, you, if you don't have diversification in portfolio, you know, you're going to be stuck holding the bag basically. And it's not a good bag. <laughs> so yeah. So Life's unpredictable, of, man. It's unpredictable. Yeah. You just, you never know <laughs> what exactly. can happen. You never know. So you came to our real business owner mastermind and spoke to us there. And, you know, right away when you started speaking, I was like, I got to get uh, Brody on the, uh, the podcast. He'd be amazing for our listeners. And by the end of the conversation, actually, uh, Trevor Cowley had to bring it up. He had to bring up that you had done this crazy ass thing. And I was just like, why would he not lead off with that? You know what I mean? This amazing <laughs> thing that you and your wife did. And so I wanted to talk about that a little bit, kind of pivot here to the personal side. And I don't remember the amount of miles. And I looked at my notes from your conversation I, and I hadn't written down the specific amount, but it was like a seven day run. Is that right? Or a yeah, it's 140, six days. 100 and how many miles? 172 miles. 172 miles. So Brody and his wife ran 172 miles and all you did was camp and sleep in between, right? Yeah, man. Yeah. So cr crazy like experience. It, it was unreal. Like for sure the hardest thing I've, I've done to this date. Um, but yeah, my, it was my wife's idea. 
wild enough. And, and anyhow, she, she had a miscarriage. We had a miscarriage and she was like trying, wanted to do something to kind of get her mind off of everything that was going on with that. And so, um, I was in, we were in, we live in Utah. We're from Utah, but, uh, we were in Texas at the time. I think that's where you're at, right? Yes. Texas. Yeah. We were in, uh, where were we, babe? In Temple, Texas. If you guys know where Temple, Texas yeah, is. Yeah, I know but, where Temple's at. Uh, so, <laughs> really so nice I was doing this. There. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Good, good old Bucky's. Um, but, uh, so I was out knocking and she calls me and is like, Hey, I, uh, I found this magazine, which I'm like, who reads magazines in the first place? I didn't think they, they existed still, but it's like, I saw in the magazine, there's this race and this is what it is. And like, you have to apply for it and it's really hard to get in. You have to have done, you know, different ultra marathons and we'd both ran marathons, but we hadn't, you know, done anything like crazy, crazy. And always kind of like to run and just like pushing ourselves. But um, that turned into like, hey, I just went ahead and, and applied both of us. Like I filled an application for it. And uh, she's like, you cool with that? And I'm like, yeah, like thinking that we're not going to get in, you know, I wasn't too worried about it. And uh, long story short, like we ended up getting accepted into this race. And we were the only one, one of the only ones, actually, I, I don't know if anybody else had not ran in like a long distance ultra marathon that they ran the race. There was a, I think 130 or 140 racers, but, uh, but yeah, man. And so this was how much time do we have the, my wife's right here. So I'm how much time do we have to train? So we had six, this was crazy. So we had 16 weeks before this race. Okay. And we're in Texas and the race actually took, takes place in Utah. And, uh, anyhow, with that, it like, there's not a lot of like, hills in texas to go train and all this stuff right and you guys that are in the sales world like you know how much how demanding it is like running and running an office and then training and the biggest thing for this race is you needed time on your feet and so Mm -hmm. um literally like it was i i remember one of our our uh one of the vps at vivant came out to visit and he was like dude how are you doing you look like you you look like you're a ghost man and it was like our, our schedule was waking up sometimes you know five five in the morning and going and putting in like four hours of training um getting you know like i don't know how many miles we're at on our our weeks but lots of days where over 20 miles you know i'd go run that morning just to train and then i'm i'm at our sales meeting and then on the doors and grinding all day and finishing home late night and doing the same thing the next day right and so it was it was a lot but it was fun training for it um, but anyhow, the, the race itself, it's a stage race. So, um, it's one of the top three hardest foot races in the world. Like if you Google it, it'll come up and, uh, we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into, like, like no idea. Right. And, uh, so basically it's self-supported. So everything you need for, for the six days, you have to carry it on your, on your back. You have to carry it with you. Water oh, wow. was the only thing that they provided and then they they set up these tents um at like the the camps but they were there's no floor to them so like sometimes you're sleeping on thorns and bushes but but everything you needed so basically our our packs were i think mine was um a little over 17 pounds and that is food for the for the entire week and nutrition and blister care and so um we literally take the dehydrated meals and then crush them up. They're already like small, crush them up and then put them in a bag. So it was pretty much like eating mush. Um, but, uh, but yeah, man, that's, that's kind of like, I guess a background on the race and what it was. 
and uh, it just divided out over those over those six days. So I think the the first day was um, like 27, 28 miles. The next day was 27, 28 miles. The next day was 50 something miles. Um, and yeah, so just broken up that way. And that is that is crazy. I'm I'm training right now for a marathon, and that's okay. like grueling to me. You know what I mean? And your one <laughs> right. day of training was a marathon. You know, what I'm saying? Right, right. that's just crazy. And it that goes to show there's always someone doing it better. You know what I mean? There's always someone out there that can do it better, right? But well, dude, uh, I think not not even doing it better, but just like it's amazing when you kind of put yourself in a situation where it's like we sign up for the race, and so like I hadn't done anything above a marathon, you know? And so by default, you just start training and all of a sudden, what was a big deal in the past, which was a marathon, you know, just like, that's Mm -hmm. a big deal for you right now. Like that, it wasn't an option for that to be a big deal anymore. Cause I had to do that as a training run just to, to even get ready or even get close to getting ready, you know? And so just putting yourself in a spot where like, I was just like you, but then all of a sudden I had no choice, but to commit to this race. So it just changed everything. Yeah. I mean, your wife said you had to, so you had no choice, right? Uh, if you know my wife, there's, <laughs> there's no, no choice means no choice. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to, want to point out one thing you said about the race is y'all would get in these tents and you would have these thoughts in your mind about things that hurt or things that were bothering you or parts of your body that just weren't working right. And you noticed, and I'll, I'll let you tell the story. So can you, can you kind of walk us through that? Yeah. Yeah, man, absolutely. Um, so my wife and I, this was towards the end of the the race. And this was like one of the best things for our marriage, by the way, because we were training for this so many hours a day and you know, you don't have your phone out, you know, you're, you're by yourselves and you're talking. And so just us having conversation, it was like our date morning every morning. And when you're on this runner's high and so, so good for us, but, um, towards the towards the end of the race, we're like, Hey, what, let's talk about some of the takeaways from this race. And what you said was one of those things. We came up with five things um, that we wanted to like take back and really like apply to our lives. But that was one of them um, was, was uh, well, a couple of things, but basically making the decision to finish. And that was something going into it for us. Like we had mentally made this decision, like we are going to finish this race no matter what, like we're going to finish, right? It's either that or, or you die. Maybe that sounds super harsh, but that's the level of commitment. It was like, Hey, we don't say we're going to do something and start doing something and then not finish, which might sound not that crazy. Like, yeah, you started it, you trained for it. You're going to finish. Well, 30, 30 plus percent of the people did not finish this race and keep in mind, they'd all ran long races. Right. And so, um, inside of our tent, there's eight people per tent. And it was really interesting because, everybody there had way more experience running than us. Um, there was, there was one person in there who this was his second time doing the race. Um, he was really prepared, trained for it last year. He, he DNF'd didn't, did not finish kind of what that means. And so he had to drop out of the race and, uh, what was happening is they were beating us back, right? Cause there's a time cut off, but they were beating us back every single day and it just all around, like doing great. And then we started to notice the conversations shifted, right? And they started to give their, their pain a voice. And that's another thing we just talked about. Like as soon as you get to that point where you start allowing your pain or the way you're feeling to, to have a voice and you give yourself almost a way out, everything starts to go downhill. And so it went from like, yeah, my knee and uh, yeah. And this year I really wanted to finish, but I just don't think I'm going to be able to do it. And 
yeah, and because of this, like everybody, everybody thinks they have the best excuse for themselves on why they can't do something, right? We all think we're this special snowflake when in reality it's like, actually, it's not that different for you and it's just as hard for somebody else, right? But uh, long story short, half the people in our tent didn't finish. And it was crazy because they were better athletes. They were getting back before us, all of these things, but they didn't finish simply because of their mind, right? And that was one of our things is like all of your power comes from your mind. Like it's not the strong athletes that were the ones finishing. It was the ones that were mentally, mentally tough and mentally strong. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was one of the, the huge takeaways. And that, that was probably one of the, the biggest things I remembered from your talk. And again, it wasn't even intentional. It just came up in conversation because, of course, Trevor was talking crap. And so <laughs> <laughs> and so that was one of my probably my favorite things that you said. And it what I like about it is it's applicable to everything because you can you can apply it to the alarm clock in the mornings. As soon as you give yourself an excuse or give yourself, mm-hmm. well, I could move this to the afternoon and like you know as soon as you start doing that then you're already you've already lost you're already going down the rabbit hole and it's hard to come back up from that yeah you know yes. so that that mental game is is huge not just in physical acts like you did but in the acts of life like building a business yeah. or raising a family you know dude 100 i was talking to somebody um yesterday actually at the gym and he's training for this this bodybuilding show and i don't know a ton about that stuff but basically the last few days are like extremely tough because you have to still he's at like two hours of cardio a day he still has to get his workouts in all these things right and then he's like i'm pretty much only eating chicken and so he just looked looked dead and we just started talking about the process of all of that and and being mentally tough for it but uh, he said something that kind of stood out i thought it was interesting um he was just saying that like i tell people all the time if they're not if they're if they're gonna commit to this and they're gonna they're going to cheat at all, then I tell them, don't even do it. Cause it's not even worth it. Like if you're going to do this, then you have to commit and like cheating can't even be an option. And, and, uh, my wife does, she has a fitness app and she coaches nutrition and stuff like that. And so this month I've been counting my macros and keeping track of them. It's just a way to, I don't know, eat better basically. Right. But, right. um, it's, I've, I've been like in this different mindset because I've had to watch what I eat a little bit differently. And I'm like, yes, it's so true. It's so easy to be like, I'm just going to have this one donut or like I can go over my macros a little bit today. It, and you start to justify it. Like yesterday I went under, so that makes sense today. And so I loved what he said. It's like, dude, if you, I tell people all the time, if you're going to cheat a little bit, then don't even do it. Don't even start, right? Like if you're going to start, then make sure you have that commitment to say like, no, I'm going to see this thing through and it's all or nothing type attitude. Absolutely. And once you start accomplishing things like that, it does, like you said, you go from a marathon to a 172 mile race. So that's awesome, brother. Kind of explain to us your, your concept about filters. This is something else that you talked about getting back to building that dream lifestyle. How do you apply filters to that? Yeah. So I, this concept of like the lifestyle filter is, I think, I think kind of what you're talking about. And for me, mm. um, I don't know, I, I think of like a, a filter, right? We all know we have one in our car, you know, we have an oil filter that needs change when we get clean oil. And like the, the objective of a filter is to make sure the bad stuff stays out and the good stuff gets through, right? That's the whole purpose of it. 
and there, there's filters in like all aspects of life. But I think it's so important to like create that filter. And it goes really hand in hand with like living life by design, right? Because you decide what gets into your lifestyle and what doesn't, what doesn't get in and what stays out and what comes through, right? And you have to create that intentionally to be able to know, okay, this is my filter and I'm going to go design this filter. And so um, I think the easiest example or way to look at it, at least it's helped me the most is I think of my calendar and my schedule, right? Like if something's going to break through and make it onto my calendar and my schedule, it has to fit through my filter, right? And so for me, like I've designed this filter because, hey, I want to live this type of a lifestyle. I want to do these things. Like an, another good filter is your dollar per hour task, right? Like, hey, if this task, if it, if it doesn't fit through this filter, then it's not worth my time, right? For me, one of the biggest things I, I tried to always take one big takeaway um, after every year of, of managing sales reps and running teams. And one of them, like we end up working with people that they might make us a lot of money, but they drain our battery and every interaction with them, like it drains our battery. And I started thinking about this and I'm like, man, I, this, this guy over here, this rep, like I've made so much money from him and I keep on making this money and it's great. Cause he's good at his job, but like every interaction, like I feel it like leaving drained. And then I take that home to my family. I take that home to whatever else I have going on. And I'm like, really, is there a price tag on that? You know? And so now that's like one of my filters is like, Hey, if this is going to be draining, it doesn't matter the price tag on it or what comes out of it. Like if it's not going to be a situation that charges my battery, then I don't want it to come through my filter and just intentionally blocking those things off. Like my, my evening time, there's a reason we're not doing this podcast in the evening. Right. Cause like that's, that's part of like my filter. That's a hard cutoff. I know that's family time. It doesn't fit. This wouldn't have fit through that. Right. Um, but the fact that it did fit through and you and I are having this conversation, like it's, it's not only because you reached out, like that has nothing to do with it. Right. It's because everything you're doing and you're talking about, it aligns with like what gives me energy and what fires me up. So. No, that's awesome. And I think so, so many times, whether we're building sales teams, investing in real estate, or just going about our day with our family, like we have to run things through those filters. And if we don't, this is exactly like you said, it drains our battery. Um, yeah. it, it, it's tough because especially when you're in your twenties and honestly, that's a lot of the guys that I speak to on this show. It, you yeah. Know, that, that's how it always happens. Entry level, they get into sales and they start building teams. You know what I mean? Yep. And then they start their own organization from 25 to 30. They're, they're running their organization. And then they move on to something else. Maybe they're passionate about that was just their moneymaker. Right. And, and, and so, but what I find is they're taking on everything and anything and they're, they're not having any filters in place. They don't, they're not designing the life that they want. They're just, like you said, the twig in the stream, right? Yeah. Just reacting to what life throws at you. And then all the, and the thing is that can be positive things too. People always think it's negative, right? you know, a boulder gets thrown in the river and now the twigs move into the left or whatever. It's not always negative. It's these positive, you know, things that look real nice and shiny and like they'd be a lot of fun or make a lot of money. And uh, you get distracted and you, you know, you, you take your eye off the main thing. So uh, one of the things that, yeah, one of the things that I took home too was, you know, you, you talked a lot about dream bigger, faster, and then dream built right. And then live. 
And um, I just wanted you, if you could kind of walk through those concepts that you spoke of at the, the mastermind. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. I actually have it written on my wall right here. It's, it's uh, dream it, write it, build it, live it. So, um, and we, we kind of touched on, like, I loved how you said, talking about like the bio and how it was worded and made sure to have like the build in there. Right. It wasn't, it wasn't just the, uh, like be fulfilled all of a sudden, wham, you're there. Right. It's yeah, actually exactly. like, no, the, <laughs> there's a phase you go through that's like working towards that and grinding towards that. Uh, but you also have to be clear on what it is that you're grinding towards or else like that just becomes monotony and it, and it's, it sucks. Right. And I think that everybody's heard maybe the, the analogy of the, what is it? The c- cathedral being built and it's the bricklayers. Right. And you ask the, there's three of them and you ask the first one, Hey, what are you doing? And he's like, um, I'm, I'm laying bricks, you know, like what does it look like I'm doing? You ask the second guy and he said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm building this cathedral. Right. And then you ask the third guy and he's like, I'm laying bricks to build a cathedral so that I can like worship my God type thing. Right. And so his cause was so deep that it affected probably his joy in the moment of actually building the wall. It affected like the way he was building that wall. He was more into it. He was probably more precise and he was probably just happier why he was doing it. And so like, the point is, is you have to begin with the end in mind. And I feel like that dream it, write it, build it, live it. Like the dream phase is like getting clear and like really just like giving yourself permission to close your eyes and say, Hey, if I were to wake up living my best life right now, what does that look like in all aspects of my life? You know, my, my family life, my work life, my environment where I'm living, how I work, like all these things, right? Like, what does that look like? And, um, there's pretty much everything in my life that I have now and enjoy now, I almost guarantee you, I can go back years and years and I can find it written down somewhere and written down multiple times. Um, and so like going from that dream stage to now writing it down, I love it because it's the first time that it starts to become real. Like everybody says things are created twice, right? Once in your mind. And then the second time in reality, I think they're created three times once in your mind, the second time on paper, and then the third time is when you go build it and it turns into reality. And so there's just so much power and I can give you story after story after story, but I'm really big on writing my goals down. I did it this morning, every single morning, um, I write down my top 10 goals for the year. And it's just so powerful because it, one, it gets me excited Two, it reminds me of like what I'm chasing and why I'm chasing it. Um, and then three, like it, it stays on my mind. So then I start to recognize opportunities and I remember, oh, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I don't fall into that, like just going through the motions phase. And so then the building and living it, you know, self-explanatory, right? Yeah. I like that you motioned door knocking when you said go through the motions (laughs) phase, (laughs) you know, I, I love that concept. And I love what you said about the brick layers, because, you know, it's gotta be hard to lay every brick the motion, the action, you know, you're, you're tired, you know, nobody wakes up and says, I dream of being a bricklayer someday, but plenty of people wake up and say, Hey, I dream of worshiping my God today, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and so when I think back about when I first started my business, why all of a sudden I enjoyed bookkeeping and I enjoyed paying taxes and I enjoyed 
<laughs> writing curriculum for sales training and I enjoyed knocking on doors. Why the heck would I enjoy any of that stuff? You know what I mean? I outsource all that stuff now or I, I delegate it, eliminate it or automate it. Right. Um, yep. but looking back, it was because I had this dream and it was to own a profitable business and it was very general at the time, you know what I'm saying? And I was in it. I was able to do all of those things. I was, I was able to make the unexciting exciting again because I had that dream in mind, you know? So mm -hmm. it's, it's those monotonous tasks or the things that we haven't been able to, or can't afford to delegate yet that we continue to be excited about if we're doing our top 10 list every morning yeah. and reminding ourselves about, about those things. So that that's completely huge. Um, that's cool. You, spending... you felt that and experienced that. Yeah. I, I think we could, I think you'd take the same analogy and use it in sales. You know, it's like, Hey, like, why are you knocking on doors? Oh, I'm, I'm selling, you know, solar so I can make, um, a commission check. Right. And you ask the next guy, like, what do you, I make a commission check so that I can, you know, buy real estate. And you maybe ask the other guy, it's like, Hey, I'm making a commission check so I can buy real estate. That's going to build passive income. That's going to fund my lifestyle so I can be more present and do this with my family and give back whatever, right? It's, it's all the same stuff. And it's interesting that you've experienced that I've experienced that. And I think you, you break that down. I bet we could probably take a poll with, you know, the people that are getting the most joy out of the job, as well as the most results. And mm. it probably comes back to like their, their level of conviction on one of those categories. Yeah. And people ask you all the time, like, you know, what's your dream or what's the end goal here? And you'd be surprised at how many people don't have an answer for it. They're oh, just yeah. reacting. They're just reacting. Yeah. Like that. We keep going back to the twig and the trout, which is a great, <laughs> a great analogy. So are you more in the real estate investing school side of things now running that business? Or do you, where, how do you split your time right now between real estate investing and the school? Yeah, it's, it's pretty split, um, between those two. Like there's this, that's the thing, like being an entrepreneur, right. And you know, this, if you were to stop and make a to-do list, it would be, you know, I don't know, a thousand, you can come with a thousand things right now. If I said, go, you'd yeah. like, I gotta do this, 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 this. So, so it, yeah, it's constantly being split and I love both of them, um, for different reasons. It's, it's interesting because real estate investing school, even though it's all about real estate, it uses my entrepreneurial side of my, my brain, right? It's more of running a business and more of a structure and more, you know, a lot, a lot of the curriculum obviously is helping people how to go invest and, and scale mm -hmm. and all those things. Um, but, uh, but a lot of it is just business and growing on the business side. Um, we actually have an event, um, an in-person event tomorrow. And so I have, we have 10 um, real estate coaches that they're awesome. They're all crushing, but they're all in town this weekend and we're doing like a fun retreat. And so it's very like business side, but at the same time we're doing a mastermind cause they all invest in real estate. So we also get a chance to jam on our projects and stuff going on. But um, then there's the other side of it, which I have so many just different things in the pipeline. It seems like they're just always coming up. I just, mm -hmm. I, I was late jumping on this, right. Cause I just came from, from a closing. And so yeah, I'd say it's pretty, it's pretty split and I love both of them, even though they're so different. Congrats, by the way, on that. And I'm guessing that's a lot of what your school teaches is the closing that you just had and how you found that deal and then how to turn that deal into to passive income, essentially. Yep. hundred percent, man. And that's, that's like why I obviously created it. And it's funny because we have, 
we have a couple hundred students in the, in the program right now and, and probably over half of them are in sales. <laughs> and I think that's just cause I re resonate really well with, um, you know, like that's my background. And then I think too, just like I was saying, I think sales and real estate are like the perfect couple. Um, but yeah, like I'm so passionate about kind of my journey in investing in real estate and like the freedom that it's created. And then on top of that, like how I felt like I had to kind of go through a lot of it on my own and trial and error. And does this work? No, it doesn't. And that cost me money and time. And like, okay, cool. I figured this one out. Now this works. And there's so many pieces to it that uh, ultimately we just built the school to be like, Hey, let's, let's eliminate all of those things for people to save them time and money. And just to cut straight to it um, as well as give people accountability. Cause I think that's the other piece. It's, it's not just having the knowledge, but it's actually applying the knowledge and sometimes we need somebody that's like, hey, cool, this is what you want. This is what it's going to take to get there. Now let's break that down. And I'm going to actually hold your hand and we're going to walk you through each of these steps to where this path to be successful, it, you, you can't go off the path because I'm right here making sure you're following the path type thing. So it's been really fun to kind of like put all that together into a program and now see all of the, the awesome, you know, success stories that are coming from that. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's tough to explain it to someone that's never compressed time like that or leveraged time, right? And that's all we're doing is, you know, uh, you were at the Real Business Owner Mastermind that I'm a part of. I'm a part of Apex. Oh. There's two different masterminds. Um, I meet a lot of people that allow me to compress time. You know, I have money in real estate investments, but I don't do anything. I just give them my money and they do the uh -huh. investing, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that's, that's compressing you know time for baller. me. Yeah, well, they, they, yeah, and they're giving me a chance to like passively earn versus, you know, not having to have all the education like someone like you has and then right. execute on that, which takes years and years of knowledge, right? So somebody being able to go out and make 150 grand when they made 100 grand the year before and then say, hey, why don't I take this 50? Uh, I invest in a real estate investing school like Brody's and then put that, you know, whatever it costs minus 50 to work. And, um, now I'm compressing time. I'm not going to spend five years tripping over these things because Brody pointed uh, them out right. or tripping uh, over these things because uh, I didn't get educated on them in the first place. And so yeah. a lot of people yeah. don't realize that there's programs, there's people, there's masterminds, there's things out there that you can compress that time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 100%. That's yeah. And it's, and it's, and it's act, like, I mean, there's a reason like knowledge isn't power, application knowledge is power, but like the idea of, knowledge and this is why i say like my number one takeaway from eight years being in door-to-door -door is the mindset shift of being around people like they changed my way of thinking they opened up my mind and so i think real estate's the same way and real estate investing school is the same way because the whole idea is like as soon as you understand the game and the rules it's like oh cool i can play this game like oh that's it's that easy really that's all i have to do but you realize majority of the people out there do not understand this. And, and it's, it's just fun to like explain to somebody and then they're like, Oh, that's it. Like, that's all I have to do. Oh, cool. That's not rocket science. Like I can handle that. Fantastic. So uh, if someone was interested in, you know, consuming your content, cause I have seen some of your content and it's great and you're giving away a lot of value for free and then, or they're interested in the real estate investing school, where do they get a hold of you at? Yeah, no, thanks. I appreciate, I appreciate the plug. Um, so, I mean, first off Instagram, like Brody Fawcett or real estate investing school is where, you know, post a lot of stuff about real estate. So feel free to reach out, follow. That's awesome. 
Um, and then realestateinvestingschool.com. Yeah, you're going to find out all about the program. Um, we actually, I don't know how much longer we're doing it because there's a lot of people that take advantage of it, which is a good thing. Um, but we offer right now like free um, real estate strategy calls. So our, our sales team, they've all been <laughs> in door-to-door sales and then they've transitioned to invest in real estate. Some of them still in sales a little bit. And so those are all the guys doing our sales calls. So if someone on here is like, hey, I want to, uh, I just want to, I haven't started in real estate, but I want to get started or I have a couple of properties I want to scale. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, go on there and, and book a call with one of our guys and they'll be like, Hey, cool. I'm in your shoes. This is the plan that we follow. And they'll give you some free advice. And if you, you like the idea of it, um, you can enroll in the school and we can help you out with it. I love it, man. Value first. And we'll put all that information in the show notes, of course, as well. Brody, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. Everything from mindset to lifestyle to designing and building your, your dream lifestyle. Right. And then of course the, the real estate pieces of it as well, uh, added a lot of value to our listeners today. So I appreciate you, sir. Thanks, Doug. I appreciate you, man. And I, and I have to say too, I, I told, uh, I saw, um, our, our, uh, real business owner boys at the gym. And I, I told them I was hopping on a podcast with you and they just, they could not say, uh, better things about you. So, <laughs> so I appreciate you. And, uh, just so you know, they, they, uh, think highly of you as well. So, well, they better, I pay them to do that. So <laughs> that's true. That's true. Maybe that's why they said that. That makes sense. I'm just kidding, <laughs> I'm just kidding man. I appreciate it. All right, guys, let's get building. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of building great sales teams. Be sure to appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show, wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get notifications as new episodes become available. Remember, Great sales teams are not recruited. They are built block by block. Until next time.